0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Describe video or audio description makes TV programs or movies accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired. Describe video is a narrated description of a program's main visual elements, such as settings, costumes, and body language. The increased availability of DV has changed the way people who are blind interact with television and movies. It's not that people who are blind don't watch TV or don't like to go to the movies, but DV has enabled greater independence and dignity for a blind audience. But little is known about the people doing the describing. What do they take into consideration? What are the challenges and the tricks of the trade? Today, we discuss Describe Video. It's time to put your finger on The Pulse. Hello, and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm the Gupta. It's always very exciting to have a chance to go behind the scenes. Like many of you, I rely on Describe Video Uh, and often feel the loss of described video when I have to watch a show without it, to be perfectly honest with you. So I'm really pleased to welcome to the show, Valerie Hunter, who is the founder of Valerie H Productions and an expert in described video. Valerie, welcome to the program. So nice of you to take a couple of minutes out of your day to chat with us.
1: Great, thank you. I really appreciate uh, being asked. It's great to be here.
0: So when and how did you get into described video?
1: Well, funnily enough, it. Involves a lot. Your, um, your predecessor, uh, AMI Audio's predecessor, Voiceprint. Um, I've been in uh, radio for m- much of my life, and when I was transitioning out of that career, I was you know doing various things in voiceover and ended up um, volunteering at the National Broadcast Reading Service in Toronto, and um, did that. That was back in the late '90s, and it wasn't until then uh, when I was like uh, looking into maybe a script editing job there or something like that, mm-hmm. that um, I spoke to the big boss going, so has anybody got that new job there? And he was like, mm-hmm. well, no, but you used to be in radio, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, because I, I was a DJ and did production. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, well, we do this thing down the hall. <laughs> Back then, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Voice Britain and uh, Audio Vision Canada, which I learned about, um, was in this portable in back of an old school. And <laughs> down the hall, which I'd never been, was Audio Vision Canada, which is the predecessor of uh, AMI, the TV channel.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, so I went down there and looked around. And it was only then about, um, I'm going to say, 99 or 2000 around there, mm-hmm. that I discovered there was such a thing as described video. Mm-hmm. And so it started there. Person who ran things was uh, Mark Rosen, technically backed up by John Stubbs, and uh, they basically taught me what describe video was, and so I started with production, um, kind of writing writing shotgun for John, and then later writing shotgun for Mark as he directed recording sessions, and then started putting things together from the editing to the mixing and all that stuff. And eventually production led to um, actually being voicing the description because I was, Mm. you know, I came in as a, as a voicer and so started doing that and then started doing my own stuff and then eventually got into writing and uh, then became creative director, and that's and so it all it all started from from there, uh, from uh, from what became
0: AMI. Isn't that interesting? Taking a trip down memory lane and you know jumping mm-hmm. in the old time machine. Now, <laughs> you bear in mind, in nineteen ninety nine two thousand, I would I would have been in grade eight, so I was a teenager. Wow. Uh, okay. You know, just to give you an idea of how far back that was. Now, I, I like yep. to think of myself as an old soul. But listen, in 1999 <laughs> or 2000, when you got into doing described video, how readily available was programming that had been described? Hmm. In terms of broadcast, it pretty much came down to
1: CBC uh, in Canada. They were, they were the first, to the best of my knowledge, the first uh, Canadian broadcaster You have um, described video. I think the first project was the Arrow, although I'm not positive about that. And that's who we usually worked with um, in the in the early years. The Arrow actually preceded me. I think it was '97, off the top of my head. Uh, And the only way to get that was, unfortunately, for some people, the same place to get it now through the SAP, the Secondary Audio Program. Although there was some technical uh, wizardry sometimes done to sort of do a simulcast a little bit with voice print and that sort of thing um, mm-hmm. so uh, back then it was kind of a um, it was kind of a a two-horse town in that it was um, Audio Vision Canada and, and CBC in Canada mm-hmm. and uh, WGBH and PBS in the US
0: um,
1: that was kind of it. At that time, um, one of the things Audio Vision Canada used to do, though, is uh, sell videos retail um, and to libraries. So back then it was uh, VHS tapes and uh, we did our own movie. That, that's that's the bulk of actually what we did was um, coming up with films. We had people trying to get rights or stuff that was public domain. And created our stuff and, and sold it as VHS and also as audio cassettes, which kind of trips in maybe to mm-hmm. the podcast I think we may talk about later. Um, yes. so it was so a great bulk of our production was retail and a lot of it went to libraries. So I think the main source I think back then for an audience would be to find them in libraries if you could. Uh, or ask for them or, you know, get stuff from the CBC. That was pretty much it back then.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because one of my earlier memories of described video is going to the CNIB library where they had piles of these videos and you could get these old 1940s movies and I'd never seen a described movie before and it was such a (laughs) great experience. But, you know, we've used a couple of terms today and I have I tend to use them interchangeably. Describe video is the same as audio description, which is the same as voiceover. Are they the same things mm-hmm. or do they refer to different things?
1: Voiceover refers to a more general skill set. Voiceover is just generally that qualifies for commercials and anything you think an announcer does. Is We call it voiceover. Um, so, you know, that's the more general thing for someone who, you know, speaks something audio wise on a script or whatever that's just voiceover but describe video and audio description are essentially the same thing that describe video is just basically the term that came up in Canada through the history of the development of the form audio mm. description is the term that came up in the US and in England as as it, Progressed and uh, established itself. So um, most of the time, they can be used interchangeably. So that's not you're not doing anything wrong by by making them interchangeable. (laughs) Although there are some people who will, you know, possibly say something specific about them uh, about each term. But that's that's roughly what it is. Describe Describe video is in reference to uh, visual medium. Audio description can qualify as things that aren't necessarily visual medium uh, or um, stuff that originally was, but is put out as audio, like, again, like Mm -hmm. podcast or something like that. Um, So, but yeah, basically interchangeable. And voiceover just means everything that is voiced.
0: Amazing. Mm -hmm. Hey, I have a a question for you. I've always wanted to ask someone who's an expert in the field. If you set out Mm -hmm. to describe, let's say, a documentary. Mm -hmm. Is that a different process or does the description feel and sound very different compared to a scenario where you're describing, oh, let's say a baseball game, for example?
1: First, it's a it's a finer point to actually compare describing a documentary and play-by-play. Play-by-play is like, in radio, is kind of one of the original forms of audio description. I kind of think of it being two-pronged. The original Forms of audio description would be that that you'd hear on the radio or radio drama or sports or when someone uh, who has a vision impairment would go to a theater or watch TV with a relative or friend who was sighted and they sit in the back and the sighted person kind of leans over and goes, OK, this is happening and this is happening and that is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the original <laughs> And and Mark used to Mark used to tell us that basically our goal is we're the best version of that, Mm -hmm. um, of the person who is alongside you, letting you know what's happening, hopefully before you ask, because, yeah, we want to get it all happening at the same time. Okay, play by play audio description in terms of a documentary. Pretty much the same in that in sports play by play on radio, you have nothing in Video, Well anyone who uh, listened to Toronto Blue Jays games on AMI will have some idea that there's some there's a little bit of variation uh, mm-hmm. in that uh, the people who would describe uh, Jays games were working from the television broadcast and would uh, sometimes deal with stats on screen and that sort of thing. As for a documentary, documentaries uh, and educational material is handled quite differently, I think, than a drama or some sort of thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When a documentary or educational thing kind of comes down to your who, what, where, when, why, but more of the who, what, when, where, how, because it's the original producer who is filling in the why. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just a matter of who everybody is, what's going on, where are the change is happening in terms of person, in terms of location, in terms of um, elements that are being used. A lot of documentary is just basically keeping score. <laughs> this person's talking, this person's talking, this person's talking. Mm-hmm. And then this person's coming back to talk. And if anything else comes up, then we handle that. But it's the main thing is it's kind of keeping score and, if anything, is being demonstrated in, the, in terms of an educational thing. Over the years, of course, documentaries, you know, not all documentaries are, are straight up talking heads, of course. And they've gotten more into narrative, developing characters, sometimes using various elements that fiction filmmakers would use. And so we have mm-hmm. to get into that. And so we're, we're sort of walking a line between the two forms at that time. And Mm -hmm. hopefully it remains kind of smooth. There really isn't a transition. In terms of fictional narrative, you're serving the story. It's all about the story and what the writers and producers of the original piece are intending to put forth. So we are an adjunct to that. We help. So Mm -hmm. what we describe, the priorities come down to what matters most is what serves the story what are we going to say that matters to the story they're trying to tell and the way they're presenting it? That's kind of the case with everything, but it's especially true when there is really a story and the piece is hanging on a story being told. Mm -hmm. So characters and locations and uh, sometimes expressions, but we're trying to, but again, we're an adjunct. So It comes down to what the original audio is trying to tell and what is missing. So we don't have to say someone is hesitating because you can hear they're hesitating. We're not gonna say that someone is nervous when they clearly sound nervous. We let the sound design do a lot of the work, but when there's anything where it doesn't, then we move in (laughs) and do our thing. So that's pretty much the difference. If that
0: made any sense, (laughs) that made a lot of sense. It really sounds like there's a lot of a lot of judgment calls that you need to make. I'm Julia Gupta, and my guest today is Valerie Hunter, and we're talking all things described video or audio description. Valerie, before the break, I sort of touched on this idea that I I do suspect that there is a degree of judgment involved in deciding what to put into the narrative when you're writing the script for described video and what you perhaps purposefully leave out. So what role does your judgment or intuition play in writing the script for Described Video? I mean, we're
1: humans. And uh, usually there is only one human who is um, who is watching the film or TV show and writing what they see. Sometimes, there's, uh, Sometimes there may be small groups or it may go through different editing processes and and QC and stuff, but -hmm. essentially it comes down to another member of the audience who happens to be sighted, who goes, okay, what's missing from here? If I couldn't see this, um, what's going to, and again, as I was saying previously, what, what's going to serve the story Mm -hmm. in the case of, uh, something educational is what's going to help, um, the student, uh, the audience learn what the producers want them to learn through this. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's fairly equal that way. But, uh, although we, we learn certain standards of what goes in and what, and what has priority, um, Ideally put everything in and sometimes there are uh, describers that you know will put everything in um, It's a tricky balance there are different kind of variations on schools of description as to how much to how much to put in um, The school I tend to hew towards and how I was taught by Mark Rosen at Audiovision Canada was, To try to make it as seamless as possible Mm -hmm. that if um, a person was quote unquote watching a TV show that they would be getting from it as close to what a sighted person would be getting at the same time that everyone would be experiencing similar elements of the TV show as synchronous as possible. Obviously Mm -hmm. that's a goal. You can't get, obviously you can't get everything, but we do as much as we can to make it smooth. There are others uh, between the sighted experience and the non-sighted sighted experience in terms of learning about a story. Now, obviously there are judgment calls all over the place with that because we are humans and though we have these priorities, we'll see things and not see other things at the time we experience them. Maybe we will come back to them and go, oh, wait a minute, that's something that needs to go in. Well, why? Well, mm-hmm. because it matters to what happens in the story later without, you know, showing anybody's hand too much, but it's it's relevant to the story later. So, it's, um, so that's kind of what some of the judgment comes down to. Again, it's going back to that OG experience of the two people <laughs> in the back of the cinema going, mm-hmm. oh, this is happening. Oh, this is happening. Oh, this is happening. And, you know, that person, that sighted person is like, they're experiencing the film at that moment and reacting to it. We, we kind of want to, at least I do, want a little bit of a sense of that in my description while still being somewhat prepared, but not seeming like I'm too prepared. <laughs> and um, because we're all reacting at the same time. So I don't mm-hmm. want to take anybody out of the experience of the film itself. There are others who feel it's more important to basically fill in the screen for a non-sighted person to go, you know, this is over here, and this is over here, this is over here, this is over here. Well, that's quite important in a lot of cases. We often don't have the time. Well, we always don't have the time to fill in everything. Um, so there's that's another school of, of description to, like, try to fill everything in, all of the details, regardless of time, or, well, not regardless of time, but I mean, regardless in which you see those things in which they occur on the screen. And the audience is all over the place in terms of what they prefer better, just like any other, you know, any other audience preferences for any other style of presenting a thing. But mine tends to be a bit more synchronous, but that's part of why I kind of like the idea of being that, you know, kind of person who's riding shotgun for the story in terms of being a, um, a narrator or a tour guide sort of person who goes, well, this is over here and this is over here and this is over here. There's something a bit um, patronizing about that sometimes. (laughs) I, because, there's no point in pretending you see everything and are telling everybody everything. There's no point in pretending to be the lone authority on this. And again, it takes, I believe it takes the audience out of the story. It's like, they don't want to be dictated to, they want to experience this. So let's experience it with them. So those are kind of the thought processes that are going on in my mind while I'm doing this. I'm a describer. All I can be is just a describer. I'm trying not to dictate. I'm more trying to share my experience as best I possibly can to make the audience's experience of this as
0: accurate as possible. Yeah, no, for sure. And a work in progress, I'm sure, as well. Oh yeah, You know, there's so absolutely. much that we could unpack in this. But unfortunately, I'm looking at the clock and it's sticking away. <laughs> We've only yeah. got about two minutes left here. And I okay. did say I wanted to talk to you about the podcast, Movies for yes. the Blind. So tell us That's a little fine. bit about the podcast and what you're trying to accomplish with that.
1: I can make it as short as possible, I think. <laughs> when I left ABC, uh, I decided I wanted to keep my chops up and do a podcast and do something that is a version of what uh, AVC used to do, be called uh, audio cinema, which was no video. It was uh, put out on cassettes and stuff, so it's just mm-hmm. audio. So Movies for the Blind, it was started about uh, 2007, uh, was a podcast of, um, of public domain films described, audio only, a little bit of intro, a little bit of extra, in serialized form. Uh, they often would be broken up into two episodes, three episodes, that sort of thing. And so uh, we, I did 300 episodes of that, and then I started from the beginning because sound got better. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I kind of redid them a little bit, and uh, I was doing that until so the 12 years in total, um, mm-hmm. I did that. And there's some and so it's still out there at moviesfortheblind.com. And so it's just basically movies as audiobooks that anybody can listen to. And there are some ideas that maybe I might continue it in the new year. We'll see what happens.
0: Keep us posted. (laughs) Hey, that sounds great. And I know what I'll be listening to in my spare time. Valerie Hunter, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much. This is fun. Valerie Hunter is the founder of Valerie H Productions and an expert in audio description. You can catch her podcast, Movies for the Blind, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you have a link on her website as well. If you missed any of our conversation, you can find our podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe. I want to thank Valerie Hunter for being on the program today. Nesreen Abdul-Majid is our technical producer. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI Audio. And Paula Dineen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.